Welcome to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lasis, and with us today is the Quasar Cowboy himself, Richard Ropa Roberts. He has a slew of credentials, including being a highly sought after speaker, a highly sought after coach for accountants, and he helps them with technology, with workflow, with engagement process, long-term planning. He's got a huge wealth of knowledge and is such an incredible human being. Whenever we we do the first sort of interview before the interview, I mean, this is, Richard is a very special person. So Richard, thank you for being on the show. It was special in the best way awesome. possible. Well, good morning and, and thanks, thanks for having me. I, uh, I have to tell you, I was almost not able to make it because as of last night, we had uh, so much smoke in, uh, in our neighborhood from the wildfires that we were um, uh, contemplating evacuating last night. This morning, it's, this morning it's clear as can be. So I, I guess the Santa Ana winds came in and just took it all away. So. Well, good, good thing that you're safe because the most important thing is that you're on this show, not not your <laughs> the, the, right. The most important thing is this show. I'm I'm going with that. <laughs> oh, wonderful, Richard. Why don't you give people a little background on uh, who you are and what's gotten you to this point? Today? Sure, I'd be happy to. So it's it's a long intro, but I I will uh, try to keep the Cliff Notes version. Um, I started out in the world as a very techie person working at Symantec. That was my first job over. 30 some odd years ago. Um, fast forward um, to about 15 years ago when I jumped into the accounting industry. And I have to say this because uh, most people don't know this unless they know me. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm not a CPA. I am not anyone who should be handling numbers or looking at anybody's accounts at their bank. But I do work with nothing but um, accounting firms. And I work with them on a, uh, typically on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I, I um, uh, work with them in a coaching manner where I, I help them understand their business and help, it, help, it, help them create the goals that they want to achieve. Many, many people like me will say, you know, we're going to make the firm grow. It's not always about growth. Sometimes it's about a day off. Sometimes it is about taking a vacation. Sometimes it's about hiring an employee and wrapping your head around all of that. And that's what I help people do. And in addition to that, I have a community called the Roundtable Community. We started out about five and a half years ago as a smallish community of about five people. Uh, and we've grown to over 50 people now, and uh, we have a lot of great uh, pro advisors, a few zero advisors in there, and we get together weekly to talk about issues going on at their firm. It's called Not the Only One Roundtable, and it was named by one of our early participants because she said to me, I love this group because I feel like I'm not the only one. And so I, I named it that. And we've that's been going incredible. strong ever since. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of business owners struggle with. And maybe because it's not the mainstream path of go to school, get a good degree, and then get a job working for the government. You know, the, the thing that school 
tells you that you're supposed to do. So like my father did. Right, right, exactly. And that was the path that I was told to follow. And then, you know, having a financial planning degree during the recession doesn't really do anything. So you pivot and do IT and then everything works out. But um, the, the you're not alone piece of it, I mean, humans, we're always looking for that sense of community and that sense of belonging. And a lot of times in entrepreneurship, it can be very, very lonely because you can't just Google. And I look at, you know, what my, my wife is going through with our two children, right? And every time there is any sort of issue or question, the exact question has been asked before on the internet from a mom. And, you know, there's a community around it. And then I look at the very, very unique things that, that we run into in our business. And this is a universal thing. And it's like, I can't Google the solution to this problem because it's not only extremely unique to me and my organization, but I can't even talk about it with 99% of people because they've followed a different path than I have. It's, it's interesting that you say that because I do the same thing. You know, my husband will, will ask me at the end of the day, how was your day? And I'll go, oh, and I'll start talking. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand a word of that. Not one word of that. So um, that's when I realized I really have to have some peers that I can talk to about business. And um, yeah, and here we are. So yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in in having a peer network, a peer resource group that, that you can count on, rely on. I, I will tell you when when the pandemic started, I was a little bit of a mess. And uh, my community of Roundtable, uh, they they helped me get through it. We helped each other get through it. And there's a lot of folks that that weren't okay at the time, and I think I finally came to the realization that it's okay to not be okay. Um, I I think I and this is going to be a little silly side note, but I stopped saying how are you to people because. People didn't want to answer that question. And so I said, I'm like, how do I greet people? I was, I was watching uh, some old movies and uh, uh, as late as the seventies, we used to say, how do you do? And the answer was always, how do you do? That was it. The question was the answer. And so I started saying, how do you do instead of how are you? Because it's more comfortable for people who are having a, a bad time with this. You know, I want people to be able to talk. But I also want to give them the space to not talk about it if they want. And um, focusing on sort of the the accounting field, I mean, you know, you you've um, been part of the the host of the QBO show. So what what happened uh, to get you involved with uh, QuickBooks Online? What led you down that road? Oh man, um, it's a longish story. But um, I'll, again, I'll keep it to the Cliff Notes version. Um, <laughs> so about 15 years ago, I was uh, working for, uh, at the time, a small pro-advisor firm. Uh, and by uh, year one, and my job was sales. I came in to do sales, build the company up. By the end of the year, we were the Intuit reseller of the year. And uh, we had accomplished a lot. And now the firm is, is a, a much larger firm. 
Uh, I went from there to working at another pro advisor firm uh, and absolutely loved it. Um, QBO was just natural. Uh, you know, when I was selling, it was all about desktop because that's, that's what the reseller program is all about. But I started hearing more and more and more and more about the cloud. And I, and I will never forget the day that somebody said, oh, you should be working in the cloud. And I was like, what are they talking about? I have no idea what they mean. And when I realized it, I was like, oh, that makes complete sense. Um, from that day, I, I started taking on this movement of paperless. And when I say paperless, I mean paperless. I don't even have a printer at all. The, the closest I have to paper is uh, I, I have little index cards that I write on, maybe if I'm taking notes. Otherwise, everything is electronic. But but how I got into QBO, that, that, how I started becoming that guy, uh, completely by accident. Absolutely, completely by accident. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how else to say it other than uh, the firms that I working was working with, they started moving towards the cloud. QBO became much more in focus within to it. There were a couple of years there you couldn't even see desktop on their site. So um, it just became a natural thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, my good friend, Stacy Kildall and, um, and uh, Don Brolin and Woody Adams started the QBO show about 10 years ago. I came in about two and a half, maybe three years ago as a co-host. Uh, the show has gone through multiple format changes. We, we, uh, the show started out as a, uh, a, a typical podcast, uh, with no video. Then we went to video using Google Hangouts. Uh, then we went off the air for a little while, then it came back and, uh, now it's in its original format where it is, uh, host, um, asking questions, typical podcast style. Uh, with no video. And what we found is that there's m many more listeners um, that way because uh, people can turn it on, they can continue to work and, and just listen. At Rush Tech Support, we focus on your compliant IT so you can focus on accounting. Call us now at 844-881-7874. That number again is 844-881-7874 or email us at support at rushtechsupport.com to work with us. We specialize in tech support for accountants. Is there something particular about the Intuit ecosystem that attracted you to it or was it just a it was just well i've been doing quickbooks so we go quickbooks so interesting that you say that so uh when i was contemplating leaving the first firm that i was working at i was like well i'll just go do something else but i didn't want to go do something else the people that i had met the firm owners the the individuals the pro advisors all of them nobody treats it like a competitive scenario uh, people actually want to help each other. If I reach out to, uh, at that time, before anybody knew who I was, if I reached out to another firm and said, hey, I need some help, they would help. It was magical. I've not seen any other industry like that. So I decided to stay. I think there's that 
that piece of community that we were talking about before where it's like we are in this together and I help you, you help me and together, you know, the, the tide rises all the boats as opposed to just being the I am the best and I hoard everything away from you all because right. no one no one can touch me and my excellence. I so lot of community. We have a rule in Roundtable, and it's perhaps one of the only real rules that we have, and that is give more than you take. So everybody in there is helpful. We have uh, we have a very active Slack community where people are, are chatting every day. We have channels in there for referrals, employee issues. Uh, my favorite channel, though, is the I Need Help channel. It's where when somebody will say, hey, I need help with an app. I need help with uh, technology. I need help uh, just with my mental state right now. Any, uh, any and all of the above. And it's amazing to watch how fast everybody just jumps on that channel uh, to help their peers and their community. And, and I will say that it really came home uh, last year at QuickBooks Connect. I think there were 31 or 32 people from Roundtable that were at QuickBooks Connect. We had a big giant party and it was amazing. I, I met many of my clients for the first time at that party. And uh, it, it was just a very, very special time. So how do people get involved with the Roundtable? What does the process usually look like? The process is uh, very simple. They reach out to me um, at at the moment, it has been a uh, an invite-only community, uh, but I extend invites when people reach out to me, too. So um, uh, I interview them, and if they fit into the group, I bring them in. And to date, I've only had about two people that I'm like, you know what, this this might not be the right group for you. Turning, turning people down, I mean, that's something that's like a recurring topic on the uh the show where it's like but isn't more better what what if no what if something happens um what do you mean what if something happens so more doesn't equal better i i want quality over quantity always it's the right decision and there's there have been so many countless times where it's like We'll, we'll get into this headspace and maybe not so much with the round table, but just with onboarding clients. And it's just like day one, it's like this client is going to be a nightmare. My my first real accountant, he I, I came to him and we had gone from 36,000 to 1.7 million. So I had no clue about anything whatsoever. And I just handed him my papers and was just like, here you go. And my, I had just bought QuickBooks online and just took the, the auto category on everything. I was like, QuickBooks probably knows more than I do. So none of my numbers matched. Nothing was reconciled. And he told me, he says, every year I get one atomic bomb client. This year it's you. <laughs> <laughs> and I look back on that and I'm like, he probably would have been way better off just saying, like, I can't help you. Actually, no. Uh, I'm going to tell you, that's one of the cornerstones of most of the practices is, is doing cleanups for people who finally realize that they need a bookkeeper or an accountant. You know, um, not everybody's ready in year one. I, I work in the accounting industry, and I didn't hire my bookkeeper until month nine. I couldn't afford it. 
And I knew what the ramification of that decision was, that I would have to do a cleanup, um, you know, where they, uh, they charge a lot of money to, uh, to fix the books. Basically, it's the, it was the equivalent of about nine months of bookkeeping. Um, and it kind of incentivized me to continue on with monthly bookkeeping so I don't have that massive charge every year. Um, plus, bookkeepers don't want to incentivize people to come back once a year and do the books. Doing them on a monthly mm -hmm. basis is so much better. But no, you're the you're absolutely typical in the accounting industry. Uh, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. So when when we're onboarding clients, and is there is there sort of a particular thing that you're looking for, or is just sort of who you are and what you represent, what attracts the right people to come to you as opposed to reaching out and here, be be with us? I am looking for people who want community. I'm looking for people who, who want to be surrounded by other people. People who have been working for themselves for years and don't have that community, when they see it, when they get involved with it, they usually reach back out uh, about a month in and they're like, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. I, I've always looked at my local bookkeepers as competitors and now I want to bring them in and, and have them uh, come into Roundtable. We've got, um, you know, and we're largely, uh, I get probably 75% of the folks through referral of current members. Um, we have a... Um, it's interesting, and, and this was not by design, but I probably have uh, seven or eight people in Southern California and seven or eight people in Arizona, all because of referrals. And then we've got people scattered throughout the rest of the country as well. And then one that is um, currently in Australia, but she hasn't, she has uh, not been in Roundtable for a couple of years, but we, we, we did have a little bit of an, international flair there for a little while yes i've i've seemed to find that there's a lot of when it comes to international that uh australia and uk are really big in the uh accounting space and yeah. it, do you think there's there's a rhyme or reason behind that uh well in australia and i have australian clients currently um i work with an app there um called uh penny and they're a prepaid debit card. But Australia, um, that's the home of Zero. That's also the home of Practice Ignition and uh, a couple other firms I can't remember, but uh, um, there's some big companies that have started in Australia. The UK seems to be um, uh, a nice market. I, I also have a client who's in South Africa uh, and their biggest space is, is the UK. Um, and the UK buying habits are completely different than the States. Uh, you know, in, in uh, Britain, what they do is uh, if something is a hit, a, a piece of software, a piece of technology, everybody jumps on it. Here, we've got little sectors where it's really popular over with this crowd, but not necessarily popular with that crowd over there. And so it's a little more difficult here in the States. Canada, uh, I work with, Canadians as well. Canada, Canadians tend to be much more clannish as well, um, where they they get into little tribes and they they uh, 
Um, they all kind of use the same software and they all have the similar processes. Um, all have different outcomes though, which I love. That's the, that's the beauty of the industry is, you know, you can all be using the same tech stack. You can all be using the same processes and procedures, but people go to people that they trust. And so the personality of the firm is also very important. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot in our industry too, where everyone's looking for what, what do you recommend for antivirus? And then everybody, you know, there's 70 million different answers and oh, these guys are the worst. No, these guys are the best. I hate you, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, the, the customer when, or the potential customer when they're speaking to you, they have a problem that they want you to solve. Mm -hmm. And I've never lost a customer, to my knowledge anyway, where they were like, oh, they use Webroot in their stack. I really was looking for a Sentinel One company, and this just isn't gonna. Fit. Yeah, I. That's just not the way people work. You know, I, I, I have these discussions all the time with with bookkeepers. Well, if I'm, if I don't do it this way, I might lose that client. No, not really. They don't care about your internal processes as much as you think. They care about the output, the end game. Yeah. Did you get them in their books? Are they clean? Can they take them to their CPA? And not have to go through hours and hours of questions, et cetera, is everything laid out for them. That's what bookkeepers do. Um, you know, and I, I work with both sides of the house, bookkeeping and uh, CPAs. Uh, I think the best analogy is bookkeepers are like the nurses. They deal with, if you've ever been in the hospital, the nurse always does the day-to-day. -day. They know more about the situation than the doctor. Even though the doctor gets a lot of the credit, uh, the nurses are the ones that really do the heavy lifting, right? Yeah. And then they hand it off to the doctor for a signature. It's really similar in bookkeeping, and I'm not minimizing what CPAs do, um, but they hand it off to the CPA. And what I find is when bookkeepers and CPAs are working together rather than uh, being islands unto themselves, there's a lot better, um, a lot better result. Most of the folks that are in Roundtable, um, they make it a point when they're onboarding to learn exactly who the uh, CPA that the client is working with, meet them, talk to them, get to know them, find out what specific things they need so that they can have a better relationship with that CPA. And I think that works out very well. Yeah, well, there's, there's a ton to be said for having that cohesiveness with the people that you work with with yeah and i mean again and i, I <laughs> one of the analogies i have it's like we're, we're all the main character in our own story but we're all extras in everybody else's <laughs> so we always think through the mindset of this person is going to be caring so much about what i'm wearing or this person's going to care and it's like we're, we're all just background noise for you know the hero to try to get further ahead. And we are the Obi-Wan, but everyone is Luke Skywalker in their own film. And you can be Obi-Wan, but you can't be someone else's Luke Skywalker ever. I love that. I'm gonna steal that. I will give you credit, but I'm gonna- I'll give credit where credit's yeah. due. Donald Miller uh, story brand is, is where I stole it from. I knew it's, I thought, I, so building your story brand is one of my favorite books. I recommend it to everybody that 
uh, rocket fuel and um, oh, there's another one that I always recommend that I can't think of right now, but I will. It'll come to me and I'll, I'll be like, ah, you'll it's be rocket like, fuel what? Gina Wickman. I don't know who wrote it. I can go to my Trashing? bookshelf and get it. Is it orange? Trash. It is. Okay. I've, I've seen the cover. I'm a big fan of traction myself. It's like the, the underground e-myth. Yeah. Like if you're in the know, then. <laughs> have you, yeah, have you ever read the book, uh, the e-myth for bookkeeping or the e-myth for account? I don't, I'm getting the title wrong, but there's an accounting version of that as well. No, I've, I've only read the, the mainstream blockbuster version, not the, um, and I actually had a coaching client. I do coaching on the side and I had a coaching client who he is in, um, he's a landscaper and there's the e-myth for landscapers. You're kidding. So they've, yeah, they've, they've got a bunch of different things. And, and I had uh, Mike McCallitz on here and does Profit First, and they do Profit First for a whole bunch of different industries as well. So it's it's interesting how you can take like a big picture idea, but then niche it down so that you're speaking the language of the exact uh, person that it's intended for. But yeah, I, I love that. That's the, if we get, go off on a tangent on books, that's... So I have to be near my bookshelf because I, I can either know, I either know the title, the concept or the author, but not all three at the same time. So I have to be near the bookshelf, but yeah, that's one of the things that we do in Roundtable a lot is pass book recommendations back and forth. Um, I absolutely, I just, I'm like a sponge with business books, love them, can't get enough of them every now and again. I'm like, I need something different. So mm -hmm. um, it, it's funny, the last uh, uh, book that was not a business book that I read turned out to be a business book at the end. I, there was <laughs> so many uh, ways that, and it was about Abraham Lincoln. It was, it was a fascinating book. It was called, um, again, I don't remember titles very well. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it was an Abraham Lincoln book by <laughs> Doris Kearns, I think is the last name. Uh, but Team of Rivals was the name of it. And what he did was bring in all of the people that campaigned against him when he was running for president to be in his cabinet, which is amazing because that's a great theory um, because now you're working with the opposition instead of just having the opposition. We don't want to get into politics today. I know that. So no, we'll no, jump that's... back away from Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> that's as close to today's politics as I want to get. Yeah, me too. I've I've decided to just take a. I'm, I am on a social I media just, holiday because of politics. I I'll just ig ignore what well, you know, and that's that's what makes the world go around. You know, you can you can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. And we can fight to the death on the internet and nobody has ever changed their party based on a well-placed right. argument. That's never happened with religion. It's never happened with politics. It's never happened with stances on abortion. It's anything that has like a personal identification. No, no amount of facts and figures and numbers right. and representation will ever change somebody, how they feel on a particular situation. And then when you divide them and here's how I'm showing you that you're wrong. They, they ran into this with um, those doomsday people 
that it's like, oh, the end of the world's coming, the end of the world's coming, the end of the world's coming, and then that date happens, and the end of the world doesn't happen. And they're like, see, we protected you from it. Like, they, they double down. They yeah. double down because they were proved wrong. So it's like, I can't admit that I was wrong. So I would rather live in this world where I'm right, even though all signs point to But I mean, that, then we get crazy, crazy, my, deep dive into brains. My favorite one right now that's works. going on is, is the flat earth people. I, I'm like, come on. We... We absolutely know this. This is not a matter of opinion anymore. And the, we're gonna have to agree to disagree argument. No, it's not a disagreement. You're factually incorrect. And facts matter. So if, if the world were flat by now, cats would have just knocked everything off. Like I can't keep- I like that. Yes, I, as, as a cat owner, I, yeah. My desk is usually clear because yeah, cats. So all the time, yeah. knocking things off of my yeah. desk. So that's that is the ultimate. That is puts any flat Earth conspiracy to rest. But like so many people would have to be in on it. You know, it's like engineers and astronomers and photographers. Right, and worldwide conspiracies, plural, to achieve what? <laughs> to what's the end right. game? Right. That's the part that doesn't make sense. Keep us in the dark. Yeah. But, but that's that just is, is proof to the point that if your opinion is against the grain, and but the same could be said about entrepreneurship and not following the path of go to school, get good grades, get a job for the government. So they could look at the entrepreneurs and say, you, you are crazy for thinking that taking on that kind of risk is a smart decision and you could lay out the facts of yeah but i get freedom i get to choose my hours i get to choose who i work with i get to take it all on my shoulders and have full accountability so it, it it's two it's two arguments of the same coin you know so i'm going to tell you that uh many of the things that you just said i found to be fallacies one of the 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 things that I said when I started my business, now I can set my own hours. I'm gonna sleep in until 10. Andrew, I kid you not, I now get up at five in the morning and do pretty much every day. Never got up at five in the morning when I was working a W-2 job. Uh, usually that was just a few minutes before I needed to be on camera. I've been working remote for many, many years. Um, and yeah, I just rolled out of bed and would go to work. Now I'm up at five trying to figure things out and, and do some stuff before I work with the with clients all day. And then afterwards, I'm sometimes working late. I know I, I've stopped doing that in the last year. That's one of that's one of the goals that I, I set out last year. 2019, I was gonna stop working until 10 o'clock at night. I was just gonna end the day and end it. And um what I have been able to do is end it four days a week. I work late one night a week probably, but what I have taken back as a business owner is my weekends. I shut my phone off. I actually have a second phone and it's my weekend phone. About five people have it. There is uh, no email on it. There's no alerts on it. It's so that I can get on Twitter with my fake Twitter handle and my fake Facebook handle and 
get on and enjoy social media uh, uh, privately uh, and, uh, you know, call an Uber if I need to. And that's about it. But yeah, I shut my phone off. I don't look at Slack. I don't look at email. I don't look at anything on the weekends. And that has been life changing. That's, that is so, so incredible. And it's, I've, I personally have turned off pretty much all notifications on my phone. Like I'll look at my phone when I look at it. And I think we're just wired that that push notification and the email, and we don't get anything actually done. Like we spin our wheels and, oh, okay, this person emailed me asking um, if I could confirm the price that she spent in July for tech services. And I mean, okay, sure, you know, I'll look it up. And it, it was an interruption on the day. And I mean, you know, cool, I helped her out. but. At no point, you know, and not to say that, you know, just throw everything away that doesn't make you money, but at no point through the history of the company would replying to that email have a big picture impact, right. but it, it impacted the day. It made this conversation, but these little things, you know, but we, we get that little dopamine hit or, or whatever the, the thing is inside of us where it's like, ooh, email. Ooh, I can reply to this. Ooh, I can fix this right now. And it's like, what are you doing to build your organization? Because replying to little emails, you know, that's that's what you can hire people. Andrew, what I realized, and you noticed this uh, right away. I was like, yeah, I'd love to be on your podcast. Can we talk about this on Slack? Uh, and I invited you into my Slack workspace. And and the reason for that is, and I know you're not a client of mine, but you're somebody that I, I, I am dealing with uh, on a business level. And so I put you into one of my Slack channels, one of my, because I wanted to communicate with you there where I have all my clients segregated. I push all of my clients to Slack and I tell them when they onboard, don't wanna see an email from you ever again. And nor should you expect an email from me ever. Um, email is the bane of my existence. The first article I ever wrote for um, the Firm of the Future blog was titled, What Fresh Email Hell Is This? Um, I wrote it on the anniversary of having been in business for one year. I received, and I'm gonna get the number wrong, but I'm in the right ballpark, like 81,563 emails. It was an email every 12 seconds for the entire year, seven days a week, 365 days. There is no way that anybody can respond to that or keep that, keep all those conversations straight. That's, that's the issue with email for me. I'm having a, basically a conversation that's taking place over days, not minutes. And so I don't even remember what people are talking about half the time uh, if they reply four days later. That thought has already gone out of my head. I've got other new current things that I'm dealing with. So I don't want <laughs> to deal fires, with, but, uh... yeah, I don't want to deal with conversations like that. So um, yeah, I just kind of banish them from my, from my firm. And so the only things that I get are um, prospect emails uh, emails from people asking uh, to be on a podcast or, or some other community thing. Uh, and the occasional one from my mother, but she's also trained to not send me emails as well. And I love that. Um, I, I think 
what did it for me, the final straw was a client said, well, I sent you an email. Have you not read it yet? I'm like, no, I haven't read it yet. I have too many emails. Don't you have too many emails? How That's are you doing my, this? I get that. When, when people text me, hey, what's up? And this is, there's probably some deep psychological thing like a shrink could uncover on this. But I, like the hey, what's up? In my head, I'm like, are you just so not busy <laughs> that you can <laughs> that you can start a hey what's up conversation yeah <laughs> like how do you have enough time to handle everything else in your life and and then a hey what's up text. right like we can cut to the chase and if it's really and and you know and maybe this is just like my robot brain it's like you need to have a heart and connect better with people and then that's, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll accept that that's one of my flaws, but I, that is the, the ultimate, just piss me yeah. off, send me a what's up text <laughs> without a follow up that is important in some degree. I'm making a, a mental note on paper, not uh, hey, what's up, Andrew. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that with email, it's. It got out of hand about 10 years ago with all the, you know, I send an email, they send a reply, then there's another one. Oh, by the way, and then the thank you email, that's the bane of my, that's the equivalent of, hey, what's up? <laughs> it's the other side of it. Yes. It's, it's, it's adding another message that doesn't need to happen. And this is this is one of the big pushes that uh, Tim Ferriss made in Four Hour Work Week, and that book's now yeah. like eleven years old. Where it's like you check your mail twice a day, and and that's it. But it's it's less, you know. You you keep Outlook open, you get a ding, and it's like ah, I can I can handle this. But if we're not focused on focusing on big picture things, we're just going to get stuck in the minutia and just be killing ourselves trying to knock out all these little tasks that really don't have any big impacts because we're focusing on right now immediate fires versus big picture planning. And that's what's required to be able to cut out the noise and focus on the bigger picture thing. Andrew, if you don't mind, I'm going to do a shameless plug for a conference that's plug coming up in December. It's called Ensuring Success. It's put on by CPA Practice Advisor. Um, I will be talking about uh, time management and when to do emails and how to do them. But uh, one of the things that I'm working on with several of my coaching clients, and they've had some great successes, is not just time blocking, but working the way that your brain works. So if you think about it, everybody has a sweet spot. I am best at 10 a.m. That's when I've had about five hours of being up. My brain is engaged. I'm on my fifth cup of coffee. I am ready to tackle the day at 10. That's the best. So 10 o'clock becomes visionary time. That's when I think about the business. That's when I work on the business. I, um, I don't want to put those tasks uh, to the beginning of the day when I'm not dealing with people or the end of the day after a long day when my brain is exhausted. Visionary time should be when I'm on fire. And that's, that's one of the things that I am uh, working with a few, a few uh, people uh, with, call it 
Time laddering. I'll be talking about it on December 2nd at Ensuring Success. Again, shameless plug. Thank you. Um, and uh, uh, website, insuringsuccess.com. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's important to work the way that your brain works. And so many people, uh, they spend the first hour of the day dealing with fires. And it's not planned on their calendar. Well, if you know you're going to be doing it, put it on your calendar. The other thing that people do wrong with time management is I'm going to the gym. Okay. And, and you're done at the gym at nine and you've got a nine 15 and it takes you 12 minutes to get home. Are you really going to be able to pull yourself together in three minutes? No. Give yourself, I call it recombobulation time. Recombobulation uh, time. That's yeah. brilliant. Uh, so recombobulate yourself. Uh, take a few minutes, figure out uh, where things stand and sit down, relax and not be so rushed. Um, you'll find that you'll have a much better day. You really will. Um, and, and there's so many other things. Uh, one of my colleagues, she's actually uh, my operations manager, Kristen Niseraldo. She, um, she does a brilliant thing. Instead of firefighting, she does fire prevention because a lot of the firefighting, uh, she realized, took on uh, a habit. It, it was habitual with the, the clients. Every month on the 15th, this one client is going to be asking for X. Every month on the 18th, this is going to happen. Or sometime in the third week, X is going to happen. S start to mentally note those patterns and you can stop them. So instead of going, ugh. I've got to get this specialized thing for this client on this at this moment because it's an emergency, even though there's no such thing as an accounting emergency. Um, and then, and it takes three times as long because you're under the gun and you're trying to get to your next thing. Um, I'm very animated. I thought I just knocked over my Perrier. Sorry. <laughs> um, but you're trying to get to your next thing. So she plans every day to do fire prevention. How can I prevent the next fire from happening? It's cut down uh, her fire prevent or her firefighting time by a lot. I will tell you the other thing that um, most people don't do, and it's it's kind of a necessity, uh, especially if you want to get back your time, if you want to have your nights and weekends, if you want to uh, own your own time rather than clients owning your own time. Whatever you're engaged to do with a client sit down and put it on your calendar. Most people don't put it on their calendar. And what I also find is they do that work throughout the day. They intersperse all the um, CEO tasks that they need to do. And, oh, I've got to research this over here. And they're just going from thing to thing to thing with no rhyme or reason. But if they sit down and say, okay, here's where I'm going to do the scope work, the work that is in scope for this client, it's repeatable. I know how to do it. There's no special instructions. There's no, this month it has these instructions. Do it from this time to this time. And you'll find that 15 hours of work is actually about four because you're not doing all the other things. Turn off your phone when you're doing it. Don't turn off notifications, turn it off because your phone is a distraction. Put it in the other room. I don't care. Just get rid of it for a little while. Turn off Outlook, turn off Gmail. Don't have those distractions. Do your scope work and you will find that it's, it's really about 20% of your day.
when when you have the distractions, one of the things that grinds my gears when I'll, I'll see this on, on people's uh, resumes, they say, I'm a great multitasker. And then I'll do this example with you, Richard. Would you say that you're pretty proficient in counting to the number 10? Yes. Would you say that you're pretty proficient in saying the alphabet to the letter L? I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, count as fast as you can from 1 to 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All right. That took you about a second, second and a half. Maybe. Say the alphabet up to L. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, J, K, L. Okay. Now, I want you to alternate. And that also took about a second right, and a half. A1, B2, C3, D4, exactly. E5. Exactly. Yeah, there's no such thing as multitasking. I... I Exactly. I am a firm believer that multitasking doesn't exist. You're just switching tasks very quickly. And that's all you're doing. And that's the most inefficient thing that we can do. Because your yeah. brain has to readjust every time. I got up to about E before I'm like, I'm calling an end to this. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah. You're it's not like going to catch me with that, know. Andrew. No way. <laughs> Richard, I want to be conscious of your time. Where can people learn more about you and uh, the things that you're that you're? Thank doing? you for asking. Uh, QuasarCowboy.com. Uh, the website that I have now is about to be replaced with a new one within the next three weeks. We've been working on a big update to that for about four months, uh, rolling out a, a much more intense website. I'm very happy about that. Um, and I'm very excited about it, but QuasarCowboy.com, Q-U-A-S-A-R, and then Cowboy. Um, Andrew, I also, uh, you know what? We should talk about security. Absolutely. It's a security podcast, right? So we should do that. We should. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that it's one of the most overlooked things in every firm. Not every firm. Most firms. Every firm. Okay, we'll go with every. <laughs> every um, firm I talk to. Absolutely. Uh, and it's one of the most important things, especially accountants, and especially accountants who are hiring that first remote employee. Um, being able to shut down a computer remotely, stop giving access to somebody, not allowing downloads, all of those things come into play with security, but also as you know, I'm sure, uh, virus, malware, spyware, all the all the things. Um, those also need to be looked for regularly just because you have an anti... I learned this at Symantec when there were only four viruses in existence, by the way. Um, and I'm serious about that. That tells you how old I am. Uh, it, it's not just a matter of having the antivirus software installed. It's a matter of using it running it, updating it there. You probably know the statistic better than I do, but there's something like, you know, a gajillion new viruses every day. Yep. That's the exact number. One okay. gajillion. A gajillion. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> all right. So there you go. I won today. Um, but no, I, I can't stress enough to my clients uh, how important security is. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things I do like talking about. And it's one of the things that I say, just like them and almost every bookkeeper and every accountant that I know when they're talking with clients, 
they're convincing them to outsource a service because they don't know how to do it. And the only thing I say is, well, is this a service that you know how to do? If it is, do your own security. If not, we need to get you somebody. So I'm, I'm glad we met Andrew because now I have a somebody to, to send to, so. Yes. There Mission you go. Accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> no, but this, this has been so great, Richard. Thank you so much for being on the show. And guys, if you enjoyed the show, please reach out to me on LinkedIn crunch the subscribe button instead of crunching numbers. And Richard, thank you so much for being on the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a blast. Thank you, Andrew. Take care.